Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Fig and Farm at Home. If you are listening inside of the U.S., you know that Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Next week, in fact. If you're outside of the U.S., maybe you've already celebrated Thanksgiving. Maybe you don't have it at all. But chances are, at some point in your year, you are going to welcome others into your home. And that's what our conversation is about today. How do you prepare your space to welcome others in hospitably? How do you do that? What you're going to hear in today's podcast episode is a replay of the conference that I spoke at last week. How you can create a home that you love so that you have the freedom to welcome others in hospitably. Even when you think, I am not a good hostess. I'm just not. I don't enjoy it. I don't want people here. I don't like my home well enough to open up the doors. How you can turn the leaf on that. But before we get started, before I press play, I have another question for you. I don't know about you, but every day when I go to the mailbox, I am finding catalogs. And they're not for me. These catalogs are the ones that are fun for the kids. You know, the Lego catalogs, the ones from different stores, Amazon, Fred Meyer. And my kids love looking at them. And I remember when I was little too, I loved it. I loved sitting down and seeing what the deals were, even though I didn't really care about the deal, I cared about the toy. But you, a smart shopper, cares about the deal. Why am I telling you this? Because tomorrow, friends, if you are a design bestie, you are getting your own catalog. Yes, you are, because next week, Fig and Farm at Home is having a Black Friday deal week. If you've been wondering how you might work with me or thinking, maybe it's time, maybe it's time to jump off the fence and dive right in. It's all happening next week in a deal of the day, but you need to be a design bestie in order to receive the deals. So run fast. If you want to receive that fun catalog, run fast to hello at figandfarmathome.com and say, put me on the list, please. And if you already get my newsletter, make sure you're double checking your spam. I have heard that more and more that my emails are going directly to the spam folder. So what you want to look for is emails coming from me, Danny Watson. It will also say fig and farm at home. So it will say both. Look for those in your spam folder. Make sure those are marked, earmarked, so that they don't go there anymore. Because I send you a love note every single week. All right, friends, enjoy today's show. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is. But our culture has shifted, and now the message is, home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating, Goodwill shopping budget. And I learned a few things along the way, like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank. And I'm sharing it all with you tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style, where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Hey there, I'm Danny, and I am the host of the Fig and Farm at Home podcast, where I teach busy moms how to decorate their homes on a budget. I am so excited you're joining me for today's workshop, where I'm going to teach you how to create a home that you love so that you have the freedom to welcome others in hospitably. Let's get started. 
the goal here in today's workshop is not to give you all of the tools for how you can create a home that you absolutely love, but it's to give you an idea to help you recognize some of the barriers you might be facing, some of the limitations that might keep you from having a home that really delights you so that you can have the freedom and space to really minister to those around you. And that could be just your family. It could be just your spouse. Maybe it's just your fur babies, but maybe it is when you open the door to those around you. We're going to give you a few quick tips for what you can do to not only recognize the barriers, but then what you do about it. I've already introduced myself. My name is Danny. I am a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. I changed careers when I started staying home with my babies and haven't looked back since. I'm a fun seeker, a book lover, and a popcorn enthusiast. I believe that homes, they don't have to be perfect to be beautiful. In fact, they shouldn't be. And Pinterest, one of our most treasured tools, one of our most treasured sources of inspiration can oftentimes get in the way. I believe that our home should be really delightful. It should be a joy to be there and that they are canvases for storytelling. That you, my dear, are the author of that story or you are the illustrator of that canvas. And I absolutely 100% believe that design is teachable. But I also believe that so many of us don't love our homes, that we don't feel comfortable there, that we walk into a room and we might think Ugh, that we wish we could make a change, but we don't know what to do about it. And that sometimes we believe that those changes that need to be made will cost an arm and a leg and we don't have that. So we're not even going to get started. And I want to share with you that home is absolutely positively a feeling. You've probably heard that quote before, home is a feeling. And it's very true, but it's not necessarily a feeling like we think happy, sad, joyful. It can be, and it should be, but we can put other terms to that too. And if we are, if most people feel these ways about their homes, it's a, it's a negative connotation. And we want to flip the script because that in and of itself, that negative connotation of the way that we are viewing our space is the number one thing that keeps us from feeling free or able to open our doors to others. Home can feel really embarrassing. Home can feel like it is just not cohesive or put together. It can feel really stressful. It can feel like it is not good enough. And when we surround ourselves with things that should be sources of inspiration, like Pinterest or Instagram or TikTok or all of the places, HGTV shows, design networks, all of those places, those compound and compound and compound to exacerbate the feelings we already have about our spaces. But I want to flip the script today. I want to tell you why home matters so that we can stop feeling embarrassed, so that we can stop feeling like our homes don't look put together, that our homes deserve the opportunity to tell our family's story. If we've learned nothing else from the last couple of years, 2020 in particular, we know that the world outside of our doors can feel scary. It can feel 
unsettling. It can feel spiteful, angry. It can feel all of the ways that kind of pick at and poke at the feeling of safety. And our homes are meant to be a safety net. When you walk through the doors at the end of the day, I want you to breathe a sigh of relief, not a sigh of stress or foreboding at what you're going to see inside. Sure, it might feel a little bit stressful to have kiddos toys thrown everywhere or to have a list of chores that you have to do for daily maintenance, but that's not the feeling I'm talking about. I'm talking about the feeling of what your four walls feel like. Our homes should feel like a respite. It should feel like when we are walking through the doors at the end of a long day or the end of a long work week, that it's a nice warm hug, that we are embraced by a warm hug. Homes should feel nurturing and should be a space where we have the freedom to really invest in those who we share our space with the little ones we are raising, the spouses we are loving. And if we are so inclined, when we open our doors to those who are wel- we're welcoming in, that we would be able to nurture them as well. But home, if we have negative connotations over our home, about our home, I want you to think about this. Our homes are where we spend 52 weeks of the year. 52 weeks translate to 365 days and 8,760 hours. That is a lot of time in our home. So to spend 8,760 hours in any given chunk of time in our homes, homes that we are embarrassed of, homes that we feel ashamed of, homes that we don't feel like they are put together, they're not cohesive, that we are comparing our space to others, that is a lot of time to be wasted in negative space. It's a lot of time to be feeling embarrassed about our homes, that our homes do not feel cohesive or are set up to serve us, that they feel stressful. And if we allow these feelings to be the ones that are pervasive, it is absolutely, wrong way. It is absolutely no wonder that we feel like we are not a good hostess, that we can't welcome others in because we're just not good at it. And I believe just like design is teachable, being a good host is something you can learn as well. And at the end, we're going to talk just a little bit about a few tips for how you can improve those skills for you. But first, we have to address the elephant in the room, the elephant of the room. (laughs) We have to address why we might be feeling embarrassed. We might be feeling like our homes stress us out, why it might feel like things just are not cohesive, what we do about that. So I want you to think about this for a minute. And without thinking about what the answer should be or what you want the answer to be, I want you to just answer this question. What is your barrier? What is the barrier of entry to your home? How do you feel about your home? Do you feel embarrassed? Do you feel like it's not good enough? What is that? And now I want you to think about what you want your home to feel like. 
again, homes don't have to feel sad or joyful or playful, things like that. They can, they can feel calm. They can feel warm. They can feel playful, whimsical. They can feel vibrant. What is the feeling word you want to attach to that? And I want you to, as we move forward, I want you to think about any decisions or action steps that we are going to be making in order to transform our spaces just a little bit. I want you to always come back to this feeling word of what you want your home to feel like so that you can use that as a lens, as a starting point, as a jumping off space for you to then make those decisions with. So for example, if you are creating a color palette, which is something we'll get to, but if you're creating a color palette or you're picking out a product, do those things feel cozy, if that's your feeling word. Do those things feel vibrant, if that is the way that you want your space to feel. We're going to use that feeling word as a lens. And it's okay to have your feeling word modify, change, grow with you over the course of time. It's okay to start in a starting spot today and land somewhere else in 10 years. That's absolutely okay to change when seasons change and seasons of life change. But if you are landing in that negative spot, if you're landing in that spot where you feel like my home feels like a negative word, we want to flip that script. So of those barriers that I talked about, just those few barriers, embarrassment, lack of cohesiveness, stressful, of those that I listed earlier, we're going to talk now about how we can remediate those barriers. Now, I listed those barriers. You might have something else entirely different, but being mindful of what that is, is really critical. The barriers I listed were, were after years of working with clients from years of conversations of people who these seem to be repeating elements, repeating themes over and over and over again. I feel these ways about my home. So these are the ones we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on removing chaos, repetition, removal of bullies. Don't worry if you don't know what that means yet. And remembering. So if you are feeling embarrassed about your home, you walk in and you think, I'm going to even back up a second. Someone comes over unannounced and you immediately look around the room and you think, oh boy, oh dear. You open the door and you immediately apologize for the mess that they see. Or if they happen to get through their threshold, you might then, without any prompting from them, start saying, oh, we're going to do this. This is a plan we have for the future. This is a project we have in mind. These are cues. These are clues that you might feel embarrassed about your home. If you avoid making play dates with your, with your kiddos. If you avoid inviting people over to come to your home for, for book club or Bible study, if you avoid those things, that could be an indicator that you are embarrassed. And if you are, one of the most common reasons is because we have too much stuff. It is statistically proven that women's stress levels are directly proportional to the amount of stuff that they have. I read a staggering report recently that said an average home has 300,000 items. 300,000. That is a remarkable number. The 
the amount of storage areas, the storage facilities that are ramping up in our areas, in our surrounding areas. And maybe if you rent one yourself to store the excess, those are all indicators that we are living in an epidemic, an epidemic of too much stuff. If we just get rid of clutter alone, that reduces 40% of the cleaning workload. Clutter is a realistic, a very visual, chaotic, sometimes visceral experience. For me personally, I have a visceral reaction when I am surrounded by clutter. And I very much feel those cortisol levels going up, my stress going up when I am surrounded by the visual chaos. Living in a house with three boys, there's always going to be chaos. <laughs> but I know that it is amplified when there is visual chaos, when there is clutter. 54% of Americans are overwhelmed by their stuff. And I wonder, without seeing you on the other side of the screen, I wonder if you might be one of those 54% of people. I'm raising my hand over here because I am. But of those 54%, 78% of people don't know what to do about it. They have no idea where to start. So removing some of that chaos for you can be a matter of getting into let's go back here, can be a matter of getting into daily habits, getting into 15-minute removal blocks, getting into a rhythm of cleaning a small space so that you can feel the breathing room, so that you can feel the negative space. And once you feel a little success in one area, you can move on to the other. That was a little side note. If we are remediating a barrier and that barrier is not feeling cohesive, our home feels like there's a mod podge of stuff. It's just random furniture that doesn't necessarily go or the colors are askew. And it just feels like we moved out of our college dwelling and into adulthood, but we took all of the stuff with us. It doesn't feel cohesive. Repetition is going to be the key to remediating that barrier. Repeating or creating a color palette and understanding your color formula within that color palette is going to be critical. Now, I want you to take this picture in mind for a second as I tell you what the color formula likely is. A color formula is based off of a color palette, and that color palette is something that you can use th throughout your entire open concept area, any hallways, any stairways, any rooms that flow room to room without closing a door is considered open concept. And the very most basic, easiest way to create a cohesive color palette is by starting with the foundation. And the foundation is in your home, the flooring or the walls. And I know when we are working on a budget, I know that it is going to be a lot less expensive for me to change the walls than it will be the floors. So I'm going to focus my energy on the walls. The easiest way for me to create that color palette is to choose a, a one color for all of the walls in that open concept area. And then I'm going to choose a primary accent color and then a secondary accent, accent color. 
And those three colors combined are going to be the foundation of our color formula. So take, for example, this picture. This picture, this color formula is probably about 70% creamy neutrals. 70%. I see them on the walls, in the lampshade, in the pillows, in the matting of the pictures, in some of the accessories, in the chair, in the curtains. And when I say creamy neutrals, I am meaning it's not just white. There are different shades here. And if we really pinpoint and pick apart the different shades, we see cream, we see sand, we see ivory, but we're keeping it broad in that general neutral, creamy neutrals, 70% creamy neutrals. And then I would say about 20% sage green. You see the sage in the art print. You see the sage in the plant, in the pillow, even in the vase. And then we have 10%. And I don't know what's happening in the rest of the room, but I'm going to just from this picture, I'm going to choose peach or maybe the blue from the picture. And there you have a color formula. And that color formula can be repeated throughout your home, can be tied in room from room to room to room. So I know that if I have started my foundation with the easiest thing I can, a really strong foundation with my biggest number in my color formula, I'm then going to bring my accent colors in 30%, 10%, 20%, however much you think that you would like to have that color represented. And you're going to bring those in, in smaller peripheral pieces. That is my term for all of the things that pack the punch in your home, the nuance of design, the pillows, the textures, the artwork, the frames, the candles, the little things. Those little things are the things that create the uh, the nuance of design and create and bring together the cohesiveness. I want you to imagine this. When you are repeating elements and a design element could be a color, a texture, a wood tone, it could be a glass, it could be a metal. When you are creating a cohesive home, you want those each of those design elements to be represented in each sight line at least three times at least. So in this one picture, I can see that this light colored wood tone is represented three times, two side tables and the frame. I can see sage is represented three times. I can see cream is represented three times. I am seeing the repetition and that repetition is creating the cohesiveness. What do I mean by a sight line? If I am standing in one of those open concept areas in your home and I'm looking to another area from where I'm standing, I can see that design element, whichever one I'm choosing to focus on, three times. And I can do it again with another design element and another and another. It is almost as if you are creating a spider web with that design element in the, in the center of the spider web. Imagine that. Where is sage green? And it goes, if we're visualizing a spider web, it goes from area to area to area to area back through the middle several times over. Repetition is the key to creating a cohesive looking home. Now, there are natural things within our homes that compete against cohesiveness. And I call those bullies. They are the outliers. They are the things that command and demand attention in a negative way. 
They're the things that stick out like sore thumbs. And sometimes they can be really subtle. Sometimes they can be. When you choose to remediate a bully, you can do a couple different things. You can remove it entirely or rehome it to a different area of your home, or you can choose to bring that bully into the design intentionally by bringing other elements in that could be repeating. So say, for example, that in this picture that looks very cohesive, there is a bright, vibrant, electric blue pillow that is sitting on on the chair. And that vibrant, bright, electric blue pillow is not quite the same blue as what we see in that other little pillow. In fact, you know what? Let's change it from blue. We're going to change it to purple. And it is purple. And there's nothing else purple in the room. There's no lilac. There's no violet. There's no deep purple eggplant plum. There is no other purple in this space. We liked the purple pillow. We thought it was really cute when we purchased it. But now it's sitting out here and there's something when you walk into this room, you walk into this space and you look at it, it feels off. Something feels not quite right. You probably have a bully in that pillow. It's still cute. It's still textural. It was still $20. It was still a great deal. But it is the one thing that is commanding and demanding attention in your space in a negative way. It's bringing it down even though it's cute. So you can remove it. You can put it somewhere else. Maybe it goes into your playroom and you create more areas with purple in that space. Or you can decide that purple is going to be one of your accent colors and you want to bring now more purple things into your space. Another thing we can do to combat the barriers of creating a home that we love is to just remember Remember that your homes don't have to be perfect to be beautiful, that your homes are meant to be lived in. They are meant to have Cheeto snacks. (laughs) And if you have a white couch, they are meant to serve your family first and to serve your family well. Remember that your homes are a unique opportunity to share your personality And you share your personality by choosing things that tell your story, the artwork that you bring in, the colors that you choose, the things that you have on display in your bookshelf. And I want you to remember this. I want you to remember that the pictures we see on Pinterest, on Instagram, the TV shows we are watching, even though they are supposed to be entirely inspiring that those are highly, highly staged, curated, styled. And what we don't see from behind that camera lens, from that camera viewpoint, we don't see the chaos and the clutter. We don't see what really needed to be shoved out of the way in order to make the beautiful picture. Now, I want to give you a fair warning here. A lot of times I hear my clients say, I'm just going to take a picture on Pinterest. I'm going to copy it right in my own home. And when you do this, this becomes then a barrier to the cohesiveness, the foundation that you're creating inside of your home. Because when you create a a room or a space from Pinterest and you replicate it exactly into your space, into your home, you lose the translation of you. 
it no longer, that room no longer has your personality and your stamp. It has someone else's. Not only does it show that you can recognize a really beautiful picture, a really beautiful space, but it just takes away that personalized stamp. And what happens more often than not, probably about 90% of the time, is that when people replicate Pinterest and they put that picture, those items, that same style into their own home, what happens is they end up with a home that looks more like a patchwork quilt than it does a cohesive space. So always go back to that, creating that strong foundation with the color palette. As we address the things inside of our home, it's time to welcome others in. And it's so exciting if you enjoy that. But if we remove that first barrier that says, I am not good of, I am not good at hosting others. We know that sometimes there might be weird, awkward pauses in conversation. We know that sometimes you might invite people over who you don't know very well. We know that sometimes there might be, it just might feel new. And that newness can feel awkward or a little bit, you have the butterflies in your tummy. We, we know that that is to be true. But if you can first address the home and the way you feel about your own space, you are removing the very first barrier to opening your doors to others. And when you can open the doors to others, you are able to love on them in a way that you have been gifted to do. So here's a few ways that you can practice the art of hospitality. Remember that preparation is key. When you prepare ahead of time, the more you are ready for the event and you are reducing the amount of stress on the day of the event. If I'm hosting a dinner party, of course, I have already contacted the guests. I've already invited them. I've thought about my menu. Most importantly here, if I'm serving any kind of food, I am talking to my guests about what their food allergies or restrictions are. This is a side note and it's a very personal note, but if you are not someone who lives with allergies, but you address and accept and understand and acknowledge that someone who might be coming into your home has them, you have already done, you've already stepped into the world of the best hostess ever <laughs> because you have allowed that person who might feel uncomfortable otherwise to feel safe knowing that your home is going to be a safe place for them. Preparation is key too. If you know that you are going to be serving food at the event, of course, but if you're going to be setting a table for a dinner, if you're going to be having journals to do Bible study with, having those things ready ahead of time is going to help reduce that stress. Remember to keep things conversational. And I like to have a little trick of my sleeves. If I have a party coming over and we know each other well enough, but there's still some awkward conversations, awkward lulls in the conversation. I have a little box of conversation starters. If it's a dinner party, I might pull that out and I might have someone designate someone else to be the leader of that. Hey, would you ask this question? Maybe I would even include it in the table setting and put one on each plate. And that would be the thing that gets the conversation started. You want to think about comfort. If you are expecting 
15 guests, do you have 15 shares? And if you don't have 15 shares, can you get those prepared ahead of time? And if some of those are hard surfaces, what can you do to allow the comfort of others? If you are hosting outdoors and it's a little bit chilly and the weather's going to be changing, what do you have available for your guests that would allow them to feel comfortable in your space? Thinking ahead of possible situations and not thinking the, the what ifs to minutia or the what ifs in desperation or Dr. Doomsday-ish. But if you think about the possibilities of physical comfort, that's going to be in your, in your favor. Remember too, that most importantly, your guests are not necessarily going to remember how pretty your pink pillow was. They are going to remember more how you made them feel inside of your home than about the tassel that was on your blanket. They're going to remember how you looked them in the eye. They're going to remember the conversation that you had. They're going to remember the things that are of substance more than what was not. And the things that are that we are concerned about oftentimes before we even invite others in are the things that they won't remember. Remember that the way that we make them feel is most important. And the last tip too is to have a little bit of graciousness in the mistakes that often come when you open your doors to others. Maybe it's the chocolate that was spilled, the glass that was broken. Whatever happens when groups of people come together in a space, sometimes that happens. And remembering that if we allow ourselves the, the idea that it could happen, we don't hope that it will happen, but it could, we're going to have grace for that. So friends, let me leave you with this blessing. I'm praying this over each of you as you create a home that you love so that you can welcome others over in hospitality. I pray this over you. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. I pray that blessing over all of you, friends, and I would so love to hear how you enjoyed this workshop and to work with you more if you would enjoy doing that.